Hey, dealmakers, welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. Let's do this. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. Today on the show, we have Ross Hamilton, the former CEO of Connected Investor. We had him on the show in, I think, a 53rd episode. We looked at it up April of 2017. We had him on the show. And my goodness, a lot of things have happened uh, since then. He actually exited his company. He sold his company, Connected Investor, to a Fortune 100 company. And it was an amazing interview because he's in a temporary state of confusion. And we see this a lot when people quit their job with real estate and they come home and they're home at 2.30 in the afternoon. The wife's like, what are you doing here? And they're like, I don't know. And so you see a little bit something like that with, with Ross, though he's, he's definitely pivoted and he's got some ideas about what's next in this chapter of life. But man, what an amazing check-in. Someone who has scaled a company at the, at the highest level and the experiences he's had as he shared on the show. And so definitely don't miss it. I want to give a shout out to Addis, who left us a, a review on Amazon for The Yellow Book. This is an incredibly well-written, life-changing book. I don't have much else to say. Well, Addis, thanks so much for the comment there. If you have not yet read the book uh, on Amazon, check it out. It's Financial Freedom with Real Estate, just like this podcast. In fact, I'm rewriting it right now. We're going to uh, launch a rewrite next early next year, hopefully. So grab that book if you haven't seen it already. And we want to do a success highlight, someone that we know that we've influenced in some way and helped to do their first deal or even become financially free. And today is Christopher Price who has a 152-unit deal valued at $19 million in Dallas, Texas. And he is working with a mentor. His mentor is Philippe Schuligan on our team. So congratulations, Christopher, for that. If you are interested in passively investing with us, we're, our company is called Nighthawk Equity, and we'd love to have a conversation. Our, we really focus on multifamily opportunities as well as debt. We're working on a debt fund we want to talk to you about as well to give you several different kinds of real estate asset classes to look at. Just head on over to nighthawkequity.com and just uh, click the join button and fill out a form and we'll have a, love to have a conversation with you there as well. With that, let's bring on our co-host here, Garrett Lynch. What's going on? What's going on, Michael? So love to get a quick, uh, a quick update from you, Garrett. I mean, we and our team are constantly underwriting deals and we're making offers and we're you know dealing with issues around asset management, raising capital, things of that nature. What, what are you seeing right, right now in the market? Yeah. So at this point in time, interest rates are are at their peak. We were hoping that they would flatten out. We didn't expect that they were going to go down, but at least flatten for a minute. And although the Fed paused, you see, you typically see the interest rate hikes before they announce it. So shortly after the last meeting, when they they said they were pausing interest rates, they actually did rise behind the scenes. And and what that creates is a, is a larger gap between where you can refinance out of a deal that you have on a, on a loan, if you have like a short-term loan and where that loan sits. So that gap has just widened even further. And so it's created opportunity for people to want to sell because they're like, well, I don't know, maybe I can get back something instead of nothing if I sell at this point. But values continue to drop when this happens. And so you're seeing a lot of that, that going on. Now we're starting to see some actual panic sellers hit the markets versus before there were there weren't too many of them there's there's a lot more now and there'll be even more probably next year so 
kind of a crazy time. Some people are comparing it to the the big short or the what happened in 2007-2008 in single family, but you're not seeing a big ripple effect like this in single family. You are seeing it in commercial. It's wild times right now. I mean, we've I'd say things have slid as pricing has slid so quickly over the last year. It's been difficult to nail down a deal because there's just the gap is is has been so wide as to where you what you can pay and what people are willing to take. And now that's starting to tighten up, which is good for anyone that's looking to buy. Yeah, I was in a group with with multifamily investors, and it is a wild time, like you said, because on the one hand, we're discussing about how to deal with the rising interest rates, uh, expiring interest rate caps on existing portfolios. So if you're owning existing multifamily assets, or really any, there's also ground up developers that are affected the same thing, really trying to deal with that. So it's a real issue if you have real estate. Now, a good number of you listening and watching this don't have any kind of commercial real estate. So for you, it's complete upside. Uh, For us who have multifamily assets, we're trying to play defense while playing offense. And like you said, we're already starting to see some distressed assets. We're aware of an operator in our space who's got over a dozen properties listed and a lot of them under the loan bounce. And I think the short sales have become a real thing. And that's what's happening. I know a couple of other operators I know who are bidding on those things. And it does require a short sale slash loan modification as a part of that sale. So that's what's happening as well. We're starting to pick up some deals as well. And I think you're going to see more and more of that. So I think for existing operators, it's going to be a challenging time trying to navigate existing assets that we have. And then at the same time, trying to take advantage of new opportunity that's coming up as well. So it's going to be a little bit wild ride in general from an opportunity, Garrett. Would you say there's going to be a buying opportunity coming up or is it something that people should maybe stay away from a little while? No, it's it's going to be a significant buying opportunity coming up. Now, the the thing that's going to dictate who's buying is who's got the capital, right? So, if it, right now there's a lot of people getting burned everywhere, so you're either either you invested in a deal or there's you know uh, even institutional entities that are getting burned because of what's what's happening in the markets. So they may be a little skittish to deploy new capital, but if you have someone that understands what's happening. And are they're willing to to jump back into the market when it's down? That's that's really where the value is going to be. But there's going to be a ton of great deals around the corner. This is really one of the most exciting times to be buying real estate. If you can fathom what you, what maybe you're losing from the deals that you got into in the last couple of years. Yeah, I think I think I'm sensing this is going to be an opportunity. Right in 2009 was a, a, right after the recession is going to be a huge buying opportunity. To, but like you said, the challenge is going to be not just pulling the trigger yourself as operators dealing with some distress, but also convincing investors, limited partners, to invest when they've been affected by losses or capital calls and so on. But this is when Warren Buffett buys. This is where he makes his billions, right? And so now is re- will be a really good time if you're not already in the in the game to kind of get educated. And, and learn about the space and really be talking to the to the brokers. Because if you don't talk to the brokers right now, you're going to miss this opportunity. By the time it lands on LoopNet or in the news, the market will be red hot again. You'll miss the entire previous market. So really get into the space and start educating yourself. Start calling brokers so you can take advantage of what's, what's about to come. So with that, let's get in a call with Ross here. Super awesome. Man, it's been five years since I connected with, with this guy. Really started the real estate investing, tried to solve a problem with, with a tech product, a lending product, and just had a $100 million plus uh, uh, tech exit, which was really cool. And just watching him kind of deal, uh, deal with that, navigate that, and of course, trying to figure out what's next for him. Let's uh, have a call with Ross. Ross, welcome to the show today. 
Michael, I'm really excited to be here. It's been a long time. It has been a time. We looked, it was episode 53 in April of 2017 uh, you were on. And my goodness, what a lot of things have changed since then. Yeah, everything has changed since then. And even the rate of change has changed since then. So it's been uh, quite a roller coaster ride. And I'm, I'm excited to share some of the lessons and uh, tactics with people. Well, you just sold Connected Investor for, and, and now that must have been an exciting event. Yeah, you know, I use my real estate investing to fund a tech company. And then I built my tech company to several million users, to some really good recurring revenue. And I sold it to a Fortune 100 company, First American, stock symbol FAF, $8 billion company came in and loved what we were doing. And they were the perfect person to buy us because everyone in the industry buys all their data from First American. Any of the streaming platforms, the estimate, plat they are hmm. the creator of data. They, they like, if data is oil, they're the ones who's like drilling and manufacturing it and selling it to all the other gas stations out there, if that analogy makes any sense. So yeah, they wanted to be able to be on the front end of the data and they saw what we did and, and made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Well, I'd like to dig around in that and just, just a little bit, but why did you connect, create Connected Investors? Because I know you were doing real estate investing and wholesaling back in the day you know, and most people are, are perfectly happy from that. And, you know, maybe every once in a while to get, get into bigger stuff, you're like, oh, oh forget that. I'm just going to build some kind of tech company. What, uh, what led to you creating the Connected Investor? You know, it's, I was just trying to solve a problem that I had. I realized at a young age, the more people I was connected with in real estate, the more money I was able to make. I mean, literally right before this show, I'm doing like a massive landscape project out in the, I moved to Asheville, North Carolina. I bought a mountain. Michael, like <laughs> love it's, it. It's fun. Yeah. We can talk about that later, perhaps. But one of the landscapers, you know, they're, they're like, who the heck is this guy? Right. Cause I'm always just kind of hanging out, spending all this money on rocks. <laughs> and they kind of Googled me, figured things out. And this guy inherited a house and he's essentially passing me a deal right now. So now it's a deal in another city that I don't want to take down this deal. But because of my network and my connections and using the Connected Investors platform, I can easily sell that deal to a reputable real investor in a city that's you know four hours away from me. So anyway, it's the same thing. You need connections in real estate. And that's why I started Connected Investors. A Connected Investor, I just remember, is, is more like a lending platform, but it's, it was much more than that. Can you talk a bit more about what problems that solved and kind of where it went from there? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'm not part of it anymore, but the company that bought me is investing so much money in it. So if you used it in the past, I mean, go back, check it out. Everything is getting better because they can just put the type of money into things that I just, I couldn't spend a million dollars for UI, right? But they, they can. Anyway, so Connected Investors started out as a social networking platform for real estate investors. Essentially just a way to be able to search certain locations to find investors that did certain things, kind of like a big social networking buyers list, if that makes any sense. All the questions you ask people, hey, where do you buy? What are you interested in? You know, what type of deals have you done? We kind of created a social platform around that. It wasn't so much of a forum, but there was kind of a feed in there. And then through that, Michael, because I had access to the network, I saw what everyone was talking about. And this was in a different cycle in the market when funding was really hard to obtain. So long story short, I became friends with the CEO of LendingTree through Connected Investors, as a matter of fact. 
And we were both training for an Ironman triathlon. And we were talking about how real estate investors got capital back in 2015. And he was like, that seems really inefficient. That's how it was for primary mortgages prior to LendingTree. So with his mentorship, I basically just recreated a LendingTree type platform for private and hard money lenders within the Connected Investors platform. So you can press a few buttons and be on the phone with a verified private or hard money lender, and they would compete for your business. So that solved a really big problem for a lot of real estate investors. And it still does today. It's it's through Connected Investors or privatelenders.com was, was that side. So first we wanted to figure out how to connect people. Then we brought kind of the money to the table. And then we bought all the data and started bringing the deals to the table. So we got really good at solving like one problem at a time. I feel like our disruption, we really disrupted lending. That's where we did a great, great job. And we, we, made, them a lot, we made a lot of money as playing a middleman as that with that no. platform. Now, First American, obviously, they bought your company because they have plans for it. They see a vision for it. Like, what, are they, what do they want to do with it, you think? When you're looking for any data in real estate from an investment standpoint, no matter how you're searching for it, a First American asset will show up. They want to be on the front end of property acquisition. And I mean, they, they handle one out of every three real estate closings currently. So if you've ever bought a property, you probably worked with them and they have so many great products. They just didn't have a way to explain what they did because they had so much. So they're using it kind of as an e-commerce, as a way to give access to data to people that's never been available before and to, you know, to stay in front of their customer. Yeah, it's amazing. If you read Rich Dad Poor Dad and you're looking for a way to become financially free with real estate, but you haven't figured out how to do it, we may be able to help. Take this next step and schedule a call with us. Let's have a conversation because on this call, we're going to map out where you are right now, what your goals are with financial freedom, and then we'll figure out if we can achieve your goals with real estate. And the way we're going to do it, of course, is with apartment building, the number one way to become financially free literally in the next 12 months months. And on this call, we're going to share with you how we do this. We have this proven formula and roadmap that's helped students acquire over $1.5 billion in multifamily assets. And many, most of them have never done any kind of investing before, certainly have not raised any money before as well. We've had complete beginners do their first profitable deal just six months following this system. So if you'd like to find out if partner investing is right for you, and of course, most importantly, you're open to getting guidance from us, then go to themichaelblank.com forward slash call to reserve your free strategy session. Now, if you're listening to this right now and you're an experienced syndicator and you've done a deal or maybe several deals, but you can't seem to figure out how to raise more and more capital, how do you get to $10 million and above? Then also, let's have a conversation as well, because not only have we helped people do their first deal and become financially free, but we've helped dozens of experienced syndicators break through and scale their performance to 1,000 units or $10 million raised. So if I'm talking to you right now, either way, Go to themichaelblank.com forward slash call and let's have a conversation. Let's book a free strategy session and let's get a lot of clarity on that call. Because my goal is simple. I want to connect you with the right system, the right level of support and the right network to help you achieve your next level investing, whether that's your first deal, financial freedom or scaling your portfolio. So let's definitely have a conversation. Go to themichaelblank.com forward slash call and schedule that call. Here's the thing. Don't do this alone. It takes too long. It's too frustrating. It's no fun. Trust me. I tried that route and I don't recommend it. Work with us instead and uh, help us achieve your goals faster with less mistakes. 
themichaelblank.com forward slash call. Let's do this. Yeah, so you also said a first American has a lot of data analysis, and this is really going to help that data. Like, what do you think is going to happen in the market moving moving forward, just based on what you've seen and, and the data and that first American has access to now? Yeah, well, I mean, first American has all of the real estate data. When I first sold to them, I got to kind of open up their toy chest of data and just see things I've never seen before. Access to data, like for instance, a lot of the people would use our platform to find motivated sellers. That was one of the, that was how we help people find deals. And as I was looking through their data, I realized that they had all the information on the previous sale, which real estate agent was used, the buyer agent, the seller agent. And I went to First American and said, can we include this with our data? Because if it's a vacant house and you see that Michael Blank Realty was the realtor that helped sell it 10 years ago, you can probably call them up and then they have a connection to the owner, right? So just I helped connect all of these fun little dots that they had never done before. So what their exact plans are, I don't know. I know it has a lot to do with artificial intelligence. And I know it has a lot to do with streamlining the closing process. So that's about all I'm able to say. But there have been some really cool developments on the back end. You'll see things starting to unfold. And with me selling to connected investors selling to First American, for the first time, there is an $8 billion company in our space, right? It's always just been real estate investors and entrepreneurs that had a quick little fix. It's never been Wall Street at that level. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they're able to do and, and how they're able to use their weight to just, to just really dominate. Ross, when you were getting into this, I'm sure you had a specific vision and intention for this company. And I think a lot of companies start that way, or they start down a certain path and then they pivot and morph into something completely different. Did you experience that with this company? And if so, what were some of the ways that you guys pivoted? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And there is nothing but pivoting in a company. And I feel like the, the way that business is done now is you build the audience first, and then you start to stack your products. I mean, just look at online influencers. You know, They'll white label something and sell millions of dollars of it in, in a second. And that's kind of what we did. We've just built a really big network of real estate investors. And then we just started to dismantle and solve one problem at a time, right? We wanted to solve funding. We wanted to solve finding deals because real estate investors have two questions. Where am I going to get the deal? Where am I going to get the money? They might say, where am I going to get the money? Where am I going to get the deal? Like whatever order it is, those were just the two problems that we tried to really focus on and just kind of keep gnawing at and be being the best at. But yeah, I mean, once you have an audience, you can start to introduce new things. Now, it, it can be dangerous if you start to push too far away from your core offering, right? Because you want to go deeper with that audience. Going wider is okay, but it's a different skill set than going deeper. So we didn't want to be the jack of all trades. We wanted to be like the best at real estate investing that trade. So we just, just one at a time. And I mean, it takes years to get something right. It's not like we put one on a few months later, another one, another one. It was years and years, each of those blocks to build on. 
It's got, must have been cool and satisfying to not only scale the company to a high level, but then sell it to a Fortune 500 company. What are what are some like some, some key lessons that you learned over the decade of running Connected Investor? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And whenever you're building a company, it's like building it to sell is important. You're either building it to sell or you're building it to step out of. You always should be trying to eliminate yourself over time because no matter how much you love to do something, at some point you may not be able to do it or you may just be sick and sick and tired of it. So it was really nice because I almost sold to Lending Tree, as a matter of fact. And that was when my eyes opened up to, oh my gosh, I need to make sure I'm positioning my company to sell. So what I did to position a company to sell, the advice that I give my, my friends and colleagues is to start to build relationships with the companies that would potentially buy you. From board memberships to affiliate relationships, the idea, even just giving them equity in creative ways, phantom stock, is to make sure you stay on their radar. Because selling a company has very little to do with you. It's always about the buyer and the timing. I would imagine First American was sitting around the table and they're saying, hey, we need to get into this space. Find who, who do we know? And someone's like, I have a good relationship with Ross from Connected Investors. Call him, see if he wants to sell. Like that, that's probably what happened. I wasn't shopping my company around. So you want to make sure you're in front of those people However, you can build your list of potential acquirers now because when they want to buy, they're going to ask five people in the company and then that, that's where they're going to start their diligence. That's what I found anyway. Was your plan to sell like now or did it, was it accelerated because they called you? But what was your initial plan? Just to grow it some more and then sell it later or remove yourself and replace yourself? Yeah. I mean, I wanted to sell. I just wanted because, you know, Michael, I've been, I started Connected Investors in 2005 or 2006 is when I bought the domain name. I've been running it for a long time. And, you know, I mean, to do anything at scale, you have to be obsessed. You know, that's kind of the word. You have to wake up in the morning thinking about it, go to sleep thinking about it. You're daydreaming about it. You know, it's your, it's your passion. That's what it takes to be number one or two or top 10, you know, in your, in your space. I was starting to get a little empty when it came to, to my passion for for connected investors that put so much into it for so long. So I really wanted to sell. And yeah, we got the call and the timing was perfect. It was the top of the market. I also yeah. watched the market cycles too. And selling a company is kind of like playing poker. You know, every five years, someone will tap you on the shoulder asking if you want to uh, cash in. And had I cashed in prior, I would have got like one fifteenth of what I got, which is significant. So Ross, I went I went through something similar maybe to what you, you're going through now, or I had one business that that chapter ended. And that happened to me in, in 2016, where it was I sold out, separated from my partners, everything was done. And I kind of went through a bit of a, I don't know, I would call it maybe an identity crisis myself when I was making that transition. And I'm curious, as you kind of had a, a bit of a lead up to this, because you know, yeah. knew it was probably going to sell, but how did you start to think about what you were going to do next? And what does it feel like to be out of that chapter that you were a part of for so long and now it's over? Yeah, no, that, that that's a great question. And you know, this is the same type of thing for athletes. I was on an athlete podcast and athletes go through that same type of thing as well. And 
a few really good strategies. One of my mentors shared with me something he called the lifeboat strategy. It's when you use your big company to start a smaller company, right? To kind of get it up and running. And when you sell your big company, you have another boat to kind of step onto. That was my real estate investment and my lending company. So I didn't jump off the boat and have nothing to do. I got to, I had a big real estate portfolio and a little lending company as well. So there's the lifeboat strategy that was really important. Also, you know, I got into real estate, maybe for the same reason that you guys did, or a lot of your people that watch this podcast, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? Started out with Think and Grow Rich. That's where I got all my habits. And then I found Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And then I just jumped into to real estate. And he said something. He said, when you sell, just take a year off. Like, don't jump right back in. Let your mind spool down, take a few deep breaths. And that's really, really challenging for a lot of entrepreneurs, especially someone who's been, who's had a business since he was able to talk, which, which was me. So I did let the engines cool down a little bit, but then I just replaced what the, the dopamine, right? I replaced what the goal line was for so long. I had these financial goals about myself and my family. And I kind of moved that more into the nonprofit charity side. So I was able to kind of make that deal with myself because I didn't want to start another business. I didn't need to, I don't want to die with any more money than I already have, but I still have a lot of influence. I have a lot of capital. I have a lot of passion. So I moved it into the nonprofit world and we have started recently helping people. It's in the affordable housing space. And the reward is just, it's 10X what it was in the for-profit side. And it's, it's been a nice replacement. So I don't know if I answered your question, but I moved to nonprofit and I had a smaller business I was able to kind of step onto. But I have a lot of free time now, which I've never had before. It's driving my wife nuts. But <laughs> other than that, getting a lot of time with my daughter and competing in a lot of different sports and stuff like that. Yeah. What sports are you doing? Looks like you've got some something punched in the face or something. Oh, yeah, man. I, I mountain bike a lot. Nice. So, the extreme kind. Yeah. Nice. In Asheville, I mean, everything is downhill. It's it's fun. No, it's, it's a good time. My background was BMX. So I used to be a BMX guy. And my goal always from day one was just to have enough money so I could ride my bike every day because there's no money in BMX. That's awesome. That's, that is really I think it's cool. good to go through temporary state of confusion every once in a while, Ross. And I, I, liked, I like the idea of not doing anything for, for a year, anything major. I also like your focus on the nonprofit stuff. So talk about, just very briefly about affordable housing is, a, is always an issue. What are, you, what are you doing there? Yeah. Well, Michael, like I mentioned before we jumped on, real estate is the number one way to become a millionaire in the United States. That's why we're all here. Real estate is also the number one way out of poverty in America. And the gap is getting pulled. If you didn't own real estate before the recent pop, mm. you are so far behind, you don't even realize it. Not that you can't catch up, right? There's plenty of ways to find. The great thing about real estate is you can actually rewind the clock. You can buy properties at prices that they were. You can buy old interest rates. Like there's things to do. That's another podcast. But you just got so far, people got so far pushed back, they don't even realize it. Then when interest rates went up, I mean, they're out of it. And it's, it's really tough because if you take two families, one family owns their home, one family doesn't own their home, 
the generational impact is like monumental. The person who owns their home can like get an equity line, send their kid to college, can help them buy another house. Like there's options. Then at the end of the day, a child inherits a paid off house and they have some financial security. So there's a lot of talks about affordable housing, but usually it's affordable rentals. And that's great, but it doesn't help people move forward generationally. So my whole influence is in real estate. It's in creative financing. It's in creating things that last for a long time. So with saving homes, what we do is we help save the homes of single parents that are losing their house to foreclosure. That's number one. We do this in a way that creates a flywheel effect, Michael. So essentially saving homes pulls together money from donors We help people save their house. And then in the future, when they sell or refinance that house, the money comes back to saving homes. There's no interest, there's no payments, but it creates a note that comes back to saving homes in the future when it sells so we can save another home. So anything I do now, Michael, I want it to last for a very, very long time. You know, I want it to keep going and going. So one donation through saving homes could help people for generations to come. That's the type of thing that got me excited. So we've started to implement this model and we're saving our first house. And just, I mean, it's just so awesome to help people save their house. Now, a lot of people lose their house again, right? Hey, Ross. And a lot of people villainize these individuals as being, you know, just not financially competent, but usually it's a medical issue. Most people don't have three months of savings. Most people don't even have $1,000 in the bank. So one unforeseen medical bill, it gets really tough. All the aids gone. And we focus on house with kids because forget about the parents. It's about helping the kids stay in the house. If the parent does have to leave, we're going to make sure they don't get scammed by real estate investors. We know all the tricks, right? We're going to make sure that they can make as much money as possible and help them find a soft landing somewhere else, hopefully within their school district so their child doesn't have to lose their best friend, get rid of their dog, And move into a neighborhood where they don't know anyone. I mean, that type of stuff is happening right now. So yeah, I'm using my my influence to make a difference on that side of the world right now. Yeah, I love it. You mentioned earlier that you were just you were always numbers driven and revenue driven. And you know, I think we're all the same way. That's how we measure our success. But how do you think your definition of success has changed or is changing? Well, you know, it's like when you're up to your ass in alligators, your first order of business is alligator control, right? When you're like financially struggling or not struggling, but just trying to get three months ahead, six months ahead, three years ahead. It's so hard to look up and around. And that's kind of a blessing and a curse, right? Because there's a lot of bliss and ignorance. That's not a bad, you know, ignorance is not necessarily bad, but my definition for success was always just driven by numbers and competing with other people in my industry And the people that I was competing with in my head, right? They were the biggest assets I ever had in my life. Like they drew the people that gave me the hardest time. My biggest competition is the reason I sold my company. Like all of these things come into play. So competition is really good. But now I'm just, I'm kind of moving it from income to impact. And I'm not saying that I couldn't have done the same thing you know, in one time. And some people are lucky enough to find, to find that. And we did impact people with connected investors. We help people make money. It was just a different type of impact. Now I'm just, I'm purely measuring impact, the generational impact of things with charities. You have to be able to show, you know, the ripple effect of positivity 
for certain grants and stuff you can get like that. So just long-term impact outside of my own household is what I'm looking at. And I, I made a mistake probably of not focusing more on that earlier, but I spent the first 40 years of my life on me and my family. I'll spend the next 40 years helping everyone else is kind of my, my goal. The deal I made with myself. Yeah, I love it. From success to significance, which is which is awesome. So, what do you what do you think is next for you? I mean, again, you're taking a year off. How far are you into this into this break? Like, at one point, do you feel pressure to kind of figure out what's next for Ross? Yeah, I mean, 2024 is is next. I got a nice long mountain bike trip to Peru with some buddies I'm taking, and then when I get back, it's sleeves are rolling up. You know, anything I'll always do will be in real estate, one way or another. It's all wealth flows through real estate, whether you're a part of it or not. And that's just what I know. And I love the many different aspects of real estate. And I, I just try to inspire people. Like if you're on, if you're watching this show and you don't own any real estate or you own a house, just make it a goal to buy at least one property every two years. That's what's going to take care of you. It doesn't have to be this crazy thing right now. Just even if it's a piece of land, just build that real estate portfolio little by little, chunk by chunk. And then at the end of the day, that's what's going to take care of you, probably more than anything else. So, Ross, how can people connect with you now and follow and see what's going on in your life? Yeah, that's a really good question because I've done a complete <laughs> social media fast. Yeah, and, <laughs> that's right. You know, so part of selling was I wasn't, I'm not allowed to sell real estate information anymore, but I am allowed to give it away. So I have <laughs> like all my old, like my, not old, but my books, my courses, my favorite thing is kind of like my transformation guide. It's just the habits, right? Because a lot of a lot of training in real estate is actually just like behavioral therapy. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Like real estate's not hard. It's just treating the behavioral problems you have to do new things you haven't done before. And that's what habits help. So anytime I do something new, I dive into the habits. So I decided to kind of put this in a PDF anyone can download. And if you just shoot me an email, you don't have to talk to me. You can, if you want, I'll just send you all the stuff that I can't sell anymore. I can give it away. It's a few courses, a few books and some PDFs. And it's uh, ross at successcap.com. Ross at successcap.com. As you better have a VA because your, your inbox about to get lit up. Ross, it's been really great to reconnect with you, man. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm excited to have had this opportunity. So one of the things you said that really stuck with me is really kind of architect your exit strategy. Now, this is very interesting. Now, there's, there's, a, you know, there's books you can read about really building your, your business to sell. And even though you're in multifamily business, let's, let's say you don't want to sell your real estate investing company, let's say ever, or let's say in the, in the medium term. What it does, though, and this is something that we're working towards, Garrett, as well, is moving us into what we call the owner's box. So in other words, they're growing the company to the point where you are not running day-to-day -day operations. And I think building your company from the start like that is key because I see a lot of operators, okay, they get in and do three, four, five deals, and all of a sudden, they've forgotten why they became financially free in the first place. Right before they were like Ross at all this time, they're making some money, they're living expenses, and then they start, hey, why don't we scale this thing? And literally the wheels start coming off. They get stressed and they've just created a new hamster wheel and they don't know how to get out of it. So I think approaching a, a multifamily op operating business from, a, from, from that perspective and building that company like that from day one, I think that's, that's really key. Yeah, it's having processes and systems, are, that's going to set you free. 
at the end of the day where it's something that is it's, it's probably constantly going to be a work in progress it's always evolving we went and got a software called guru that you essentially use to help build those systems and processes and then if somebody leaves or there's a, sh- a change in anything behind the scenes you go back to the drawing board and make sure that that is super efficient you're you're changing things you're making things better so that when you can get to a place where it, you have a sellable company potentially we're lucky as as multifamily operators you know that's always the goal you're always talking about the exit even when before you buy it you're like okay what does this exit look like and you're modeling that out but there is a lot more to do behind the scenes just as far as building systems and processes, of course. One of the first things to do if you haven't done this already is hire a virtual assistant. I mean, I would say even if you still have a W-2 job, you should have an assistant, either a personal assistant or professional assistant. You can hire some extremely capable people in the Philippines, in Costa Rica, who are, their English is extremely, extremely good. They have university educations. And my goodness, you got to do that. You pay them $5 or whatever, even if they pay them $20 an hour. It's like the best money you've ever invested and always feels uncomfortable. It has for me and many others. Oh my gosh, I don't have the income to to basically pay for that. And what we found collectively is once we've done it, we're like, my gosh, I should have done that before because what it does is it allows you to focus not only your doing, but your thinking on high dollar value activities. And by doing so, you'll expand the revenue that you'll make simply by hiring a virtual assistant. Yeah, and what, one good exercise to get yourself into doing your highest and best use things is, is break out everything you do in a week, break it down into increments every day, break down what, whatever tasks you do, and then and then put a dollar amount next to what those what you could maybe pay someone to do those. And if you did that exercise for one week, you might find that you're doing a lot more of the, of the $15 an hour things than you should be. And that's a great way to take what Michael just said and, and delegate that over to a, a VA and free yourself up. But knowing what that looks like in the beginning is super important. So it's a, that's just one thing that I've, I've trick I've learned over time. If you own existing multifamily assets, you're affected by what's going on. Surround yourself with your peers and 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 more advisors who have who have uh, experience, and you can bounce ideas off of. That's what we're doing. We're asking everybody else around us, "Hey, how are you dealing with this stuff?" We're getting a ton of ideas to help us navigate through this stuff. And at the same time, don't let this consume you. I know it's very time consuming if you do have assets. You got to make sure that someone on the team is looking for deals. And if you don't have any assets, that's great. You don't have to deal with it. So make sure you're educating yourself and you're starting to talk to brokers because that's, these deals are not going to go down on LoopNet. Okay. They're not going to be, maybe some will be in the news, but you got to be talking to operator, to brokers right now to take advantage of what's coming. So be ready for that. Catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by downloading Michael's free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Head over to themichaelblock.com slash ebook to get the free training.